Welcome back. The coronavirus pandemic has upended the region's music scene. All music venues from clubs to concert halls are closed for the foreseeable future. This means that musicians and other live performers are without a steady stream of income. Meanwhile, the nation is reckoning with how they deal with instances of racial discrimination and prejudice. And during this moment, some musicians are using their craft to spread messages of racial justice. So today we'll talk with two local musicians about the protests, the pandemic, and their passion for music. Joining me now is Aaron Myers. Aaron Myers is a local jazz musician. Aaron Myers, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Chris Stiles Bacon, a Grammy-nominated progressive hip-hop artist. Chris Stiles Bacon, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Chris Stiles, I'll start with you. How did you get your start in music? Oh, man. Growing up in Washington, D.C., I mean, it's hard not to mess around with music because go-go is so big. And even uh, even when we couldn't afford the instruments, we would just gather buckets and trash cans to, to bang on them together as a community. So through that and my mom DJing, I got into music and started rapping and making beats and stuff. So how did D.C. culture and growing up here inspire your music? Well, it's... A really special thing in D.C., with GoGo in particular, we have call and response. So audience participation is important, as important as an instrumentalist is on stage. So we're constantly building a rapport in a live show with our audience, and they constantly are contributing, and they have a part in, in our performances. So that stuff affects my music a whole lot. You call yourself, Christos, a progressive hip-hop artist. What exactly is progressive hip-hop? Yeah, so there's a couple of definitions. When I first came up with the title, I was taking like a page from progressive rock and doing the same for hip hop. I wanted to take the original like elements of hip hop, like two in particular, like like beatboxing and rhyming. And then I wanted to take it out of its original cultural context and use it to explore many different styles of music around the world and, um, and use that as a tool to bring together different cultures and different groups of people and understanding each other. Aaron Myers, I know a little bit about you because I listen to you sometimes on another radio station, which I shall not name because I'm not <laughs> supposed to be listening to it at all. But how did you, how did you get your start in music? I, I like many people, uh, I got my start in the church. I was first exposed to music in the black church, and I started playing the piano when I was three. And I was fortunate to come of, um, from somewhat of a singing family around the kitchen table, as uh, often done in our culture. How has the pandemic affected your business? How are you faring without the income from live performances? Well, I'm looking at, at this moment, I've canceled all of my live performances until, uh, in-person performances until there is a vaccine. And so you look at uh, all of my tours were canceled, um, all of my live performances were canceled. And with that, you're looking at basically um, some virtual uh, performances that are paid uh, but outside of that, you're looking at just living off of something that perhaps you've saved. And um, with the loss of the pandemic unemployment insurance uh, this month, particularly, uh, that kind of stuff is completely done with. Whereas we've still had to pay money to update our digital uh, and virtual world by creating virtual offices and studios in our homes so that we can still compete on, uh, on the landscape. Christos, you released a new song called Quarantined with a virtual release party. We'll listen to a quick clip of that right now. Hoping 
guarantee nobody next to me. I get my truth facts from the CDC. Scientists all coming like ESP. Trying to see the other side of COVID-19. Quarantine can work a J-O-B. Then why we getting charged fees like it's the same old thing? Now I wish I saw it coming like ESP. I'm trying to see the other side of COVID-19. Now everybody's in the house trying to figure out how the world came but the rent the same amount. Companies say they can might the first small amount. And if we make it, we got bills piled up to figure out. Forced to go to work and miss your life for a little money. Why the riches are hiking prices for the 2020? They see glimpses of what a black man... Gustav, can you tell us the story behind that song? Oh, man. Well, um... <laughs> Man, the the, <laughs> um, the 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 folks the folks at NPR uh, they they reached out to me about doing a song uh, about current times. It could be about any any subject in these current times, and I thought that one that that I definitely wanted to cover just like what's happening racially in our cities and, and in our country, but also with COVID nineteen. And you know, I had a situation before before. Um, we went into this self-isolation period of my mom like getting sick and having to take her down to the hospital and seeing what's happening and then seeing what's happening to us um, societally. And I just wanted to, to speak on it. So that's what inspired that one. Christos, what's a virtual release party? How is it different from an in-person release party? Well, let me tell you, the last release party I did was at the Kennedy Center with National Symphony Orchestra, right? That's a 70-piece orchestra. Everybody's there enjoying the concert, and then we sell CDs. This one, here's <laughs> the difference. We're online, right? I'm on Instagram and Facebook going live, and then everyone's in the comment section, and I'm just, like, playing this one back-to-back sometimes, talking about the story behind it, reading the lyrics like spoken word and interacting with people. So it's just like... The the difference is that um I can't see everybody, I can't hug people, I can't dap them up, you know what I'm saying? We can't dance together like that, but we have to do what we have to do to be creative, to connect with each other um, and celebrate the release of this here project. Aaron, like Christos, a lot of artists, and you mentioned this, have turned to virtual performances over Zoom and Instagram Live. What do you think about this new way of performing? Does it feel different? It's very similar to doing television uh, shows. Um, you are not getting the feedback from a live audience and that energy. Usually the musician, the uh, especially a vocalist uh, or headliner, is between the band and the audience. So you're, you're channeling energy from your band behind you and your audience in front of you. Um, with the virtual performances, uh, I've done a few uh, where I'm, it's an hour in length, and it feels like to me that I've just done a three-hour show. I'm still sweating like I normally would, um, and it's my hope. I'm grateful that I have an audience that still tunes in to me, uh, but it is, it's really a, a, a pouring out from an emotional and uh, uh, standpoint of performing. As I mentioned, you host a radio show here in town, and you generally interview other performers. What have you been hearing from them on your show? I've been hearing a lot of performers are not in a space yet where they can actually cope. We uh, Artists, especially black artists, have been asked to perform and to offer this type of hope through their art during this time. But it's often forgot that we are also humans. We are also feeling uh, the, the, the brunt of this. I, too, have I have antibodies myself. Uh, and I just had to bury uh, my uh, cousin yesterday uh, in Texas um, uh, who died from COVID. 
Um, the ripple effects of this is just absolutely horrid. And when we're trying to create, it's hard to figure out what am I pulling from while uh, facts are ever changing and while you're still dealing with some things in the city uh, that needs to be done to help your own career and your own industry uh, that could be done uh, to help you through this uh, difficult time. Christos, how has the music making process changed within the last six months? Are you finding it easier to write or make music during this time? Well, in writing in writing that song that you had played a little earlier, it was a little tough because usually I can't write about situations while I'm in them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but and then like and everything that Aaron said is is so on point. It's so on point. Um, the music making process is different because we can um, we can go to the studios and, and these other places. So we have to go to YouTube University and learn how to mix and master for ourselves, like I did with that song. And then we have to um, and we have to gather the materials that we have and find a way to configure them to create um, compelling recordings and work and presentations. So it's changed, and we have to become even more savvy in addition to create art. Aaron, what about the process is more difficult? I think uh, kind of to uh, Christelle's point is being in it. Um, usually you're able to somewhat uh, speak from a space of resolve once something has been resolved after you can look back on it. Uh, while you're in this, uh, a lot of musicians and creatives are empaths as well in a sense. And there's a rush and a myriad of feelings and emotions going through you uh, that really kind of delve you back into the deepest part of uh, the fear or the hurt and the trauma that we're collectively going through now. Uh, that's what I have experienced. I've been able to write during this time, uh, but yet and still uh, even wrote a book during this time. And mm. throughout each process, anxiety attacks followed uh, and anxiety still looms uh, because of it. Chris Stiles, I'll start with you, but this question is for both of you. What was your reaction to the death of George Floyd, and what has the Black Lives Matter movement meant for your music? Woo, yo. <laughs> when I first saw that video, when I first caught that video, because, you know, I don't, I don't like, I don't watch TV, or I don't own TV or anything like that, or a service like that. So, so coming, so getting sent that journey, I was like, whoa, like, please get up off this dude. You know what I'm saying? And then mm-hmm. you see the camera, too, where there are two more officers kneeling on this dude. And, um, and unfortunately, I have seen this tons of other times, too. Like, like if you black and you, and you truly in it, you know that this isn't a new thing that has happened. But with our cell phones, now everyone else could finally see what's happening. So it was so sad to see a youngin lose lose his life on camera right there and people not being able to intervene because if they intervene, they will be breaking the law to save a person's life, you know? So that was tough. Um, you know, and, and I just, and as far as like putting it into the music, I just try to pray over some stuff before I go in and write, like with that quarantine verse and stuff like that to make sure that I'm not I'm not leading anyone astray and, and I'm leading pers- people in the, in the right direction. But it's sometimes it can be hard to do because you get emotional as well. And you could come from that place of emotion. Same question to you, Aaron. What has that, 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 that particular case and the Black Lives Matter movement meant for your music? 
Well, uh, I even wrote on Facebook this morning. Um, we we just saw this happen almost again with Jacob Blake, who's also fighting yep. for his uh, life right now. Um, yep. We grew up seeing pictures of lynch mobs, the white people posing next to the hanging and swinging body, uh, Strange Fruit sung by Billie Holiday, mm-hmm. Supper Time sung by Ethel uh, Waters. Um, we've seen this. We've experienced this. Our, the, the first act of... Uh, what before Black Lives Matter was a thing, the first protest I saw back in '93 was when Craig Thomas was killed in Corsica, was murdered in Corsicana, Texas, by the police. Um, I, I see this. I was angered. Um, I'm reminded that this crop of young people today and this generation, why they're not putting up with it, they're not taking it. I was encouraged. I have been emboldened to be able to express my frustration. Uh, more clearly and loudly on all of my platforms and my displeasure in how this American experiment seems to have failed the black man in many senses of the uh, word. However, the music, how it's infected infected my music, it's giving me a space mm-hmm. where I now know that the hurt and pain that I've put in every lyric was not uh, just conceived in my mind, that it was a re action to an actual event that was happening in our culture and in our society that we're experiencing as black people. Historically, Aaron, jazz and hip-hop have often been used as vehicles of social change or to reflect the desire for social change. Are, are you using your craft to inspire social change, and if so, how? Absolutely. Absolutely. First of all, I try to use the platform, my platform, to ensure when I'm uh, either online, now doing my shows virtually, as I did with the Kennedy Center, uh, to speak about not only what's happening now as far as the unrest, but exactly how one can be a part of the solution. Uh, I tried to use my platform knowing that there's some government leaders who do like my music and listen to my music. Uh, I Every week I've used my platform to uh, gather musicians around the city and music stakeholders around the city uh, to create solutions for musicians here in D.C. We sent the mayor and the city council the Music Venue Relief Act, and this is something that would help music venues stay open during this particular time. And we've also, uh, we're requesting that the D.C. Council would speak to uh, 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 musicians uh, about... Oh, Aaron's going in and out while we try to reconnect him. Christos, are you using your craft to inspire social change? And if so, how? Oh, yeah. I mean, my whole mission statement as an artist, period, is cultural acceptance and unification through music. And through, like international collaboration collaborating with musicians artists from different countries like race ethnicity all of that we're creating avenues for each other to know truly about each other's culture instead of the media's depiction of of just one little color of the spectrum of a culture you know um and then also getting on like instagram and stuff and doing racial reconciliation conversations it's just like look the reason why like People have all these visions, all, all of these uh, misunderstandings about what Black Lives Matter and then all these other things mean is because they don't they don't know enough from the actual people. They might be scared to talk to the people. Instead, you know, through the music and through these conversations, we give people spaces without being um, judged or feeling condemned where they could truly like ask and inquire about these things and we could educate them and vice versa. We could ask them questions about things. So through collaboration, I feel like we could understand each other, know each other, find out where we truly agree and truly make change on these things. Aaron Myers is back. Aaron, please finish the statement you were making. 
Yes, uh, we have um, we have gathered uh, musicians and music stakeholders in the city to uh, really try to introduce to the council the Music Venue Relief Act, as well as calling on the mayor's office to reach out to those businesses who are in the music economy to give them at least a weekly business update while giving musicians health updates. A lot of people don't understand how uh, when you think of having live shows in the future and coming back to this, uh, what we will see will be our new normal, we are concerned about our health, too. Uh, earlier on in this pandemic, we heard of so many musicians who were being sick and infected because they simply were dealing with uh, stage hands, stage crew, and also audiences uh, that were infected and did not know it. So we would love to hear up-to-date health facts from uh, the health department while the city council and mayor are giving updates to the music community about what the reality of coming back would look like. Uh, I try to use my platform because I know I do have government leaders who listen to me in that realm, but also trying to empower musicians to be able to advocate for only not only their own health, but the health of their race and their community to their audiences also. Indeed, I was, that was my next question to you. How can musicians use their craft for purposes of raising people's consciousness or for activism? Well, I've always believed, first of all, that when you when I look at a jazz audience specifically, you will have a person in the audience who may be 16, 17 and 18 and a couple who may be 80 or 90 years old. True that. You have a room full of people who could be business owners, but also people who are just lay workers. And so you have this people who come together because of the music and in that space. If you can show what togetherness looks like, what coming together in that moment, how that feeling could last after they leave this room, how that one business owner may listen to a lyric in your song and may think of diversity when hiring in the hiring process or when a son or father hears or father or mother hears your music or sees your performance. And then if their kid comes out to them, they may be more accepting or loving or when that white couple uh, hear your music, they're more understanding and loving and advocates for their black brothers and sisters. I believe that the, your, your platform can be used and we must use our platforms to empower our white allies to speak out, become anti-racist, empower them to become anti-racist, and but also to empower black people, marginalized people, people of color to be able to hold their chest out and to hold their heads up to be proud of who they are, but to also not smile in the face of the oppressor, but to say, I do not like what's happening. I don't have to like what ha what's happening. And my voice can help make it better for those who come behind, behind me and maybe for those who are here right now. That's what my platform must be used for as an artist. Christos, do you believe musicians have a responsibility to be active for social change? Hmm. It depends on the, um, the artist and, and their reasons for doing things. You know, I think all of us have all of us. We have our roles. Some of us like like um, like Aaron and, and myself, we feel compelled to like to, to help people out in, in doing our music and to lift people up and to um, and to educate as well. And, um, and there might be some and there might be some musicians who create from a space of like uh, of like the, the, the joy in their hearts. And so we need this music to educate and all that as well. And for social change and activism. And then we also need cats that just like, okay, we're going to listen to this, the party, because we do need to sometimes unplug from all these things that are happening in the world just to go back and power up. You know what I'm saying? So all of us have our, our different roles and we all make one body in music, you know, um, to, to help out the human experience. 
How about you, Aaron? Do you believe musicians have some kind of responsibility to be active for social change? I believe that you, you have a responsibility. I, you can't, one can't force someone to do it. And I believe that responsibility takes on many different levels. One person may choose, may use that responsibility by the music they curate for a show. One other person may use that responsibility by simply writing but not singing. Another person may use that responsibility by actually using their voice during the music making process, but other people may use the full breadth of their platform, social media, email lists, so on and so forth, to really get in there to affect social change. So what that activism looks like is really and solely up to that uh, that artist. But we must remember that artists are people too. Not peep some artists are just as shy and scared and timid and traumatized as the population. And so you have to gauge it artist by artist. I would hope that the art itself and the music itself would give uh, the artists the strength they need to speak out against what's happening right now and to speak hope and encouragement to those on the front lines of the protest and then to also speak some clarity to those folks who are afraid to speak out but are now silent. We got an email from John who said, I was delighted to see that your show today includes a focus on local musicians meeting the moment. Fund by Photo sells high-quality prints of live music photos. Our purpose is to provide visibility to artists and keep fans engaged while raising funds to provide food, clothing, shelter, and other services to D.C. citizens who need help because of the COVID-19 pandemic. We donate 100% of the net proceeds to our nonprofit partners. We are family, D.C. Central Kitchen, and Bread for the City. But, uh, Christos, they talked about uh, doing photos. Washingtonian Magazine named you one of the most fashionable people in D.C. in 2018. <laughs> and your style is indeed distinctive. Anybody who's seen you around town would know it. Can you describe your style and what it says about you in about 30 seconds? Oh, in 30 seconds? It's just an amalgamation of things that I like and just like, you know, me dressing how I want to dress and show up in the world. If you see me, you know, I got an afro, so that's really reminiscent of like, you know, Black Power era and stuff like that. Just really accepting self and how my hair comes out my scalp and stuff like that. And always <laughs> yeah. just try to put my best foot forward when I step out the house, you know, because I used to wear hand-me-down clothes with holes in it <laughs> growing up around the way. And so there it is. Not now. He's a very stylish man. Aaron, as we go out today, we're going to listen to a little of your music. The piece you hear is titled, what, What's a Man to Do? Aaron, tell us a little a bit about that song. What's the inspiration behind it in about 30 seconds? I wrote that song uh, on a park bench in Los Angeles when I was homeless. I was living in my car, and um, I didn't know what to do in that moment. And I was seeing so many people walk by with what appeared to me having everything together. Uh, and then I someone walked up to me and asked for directions and it then gave me the understanding that I must appear to have had my things together as well, but I did not. And so I was just looking at okay. the circumstances around me and that's how that song came around. Well, Aaron Myers, Christiles Bacon, thank you both for joining us. Let's hear a little bit about What's a Man to Do. I'd rather just be by myself Can't lie, cheat or steal to barely make it by it seems the world don't care if you even survive Cause if you die, silence is absurd This segment with two local musicians was produced by Richard Cunningham and our conversation about the start of the fall semester was produced by Ines Rinike. 
Coming up tomorrow, activists are planning a march on Washington this Friday on the anniversary of the 1963 March for Jobs and Freedom. When Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech, organizers are calling this year's event the Commitment March, Get Your Knee Off Our Necks. For our latest co-junior virtual community, we explore the history of the original March on Washington and what activists hope to achieve with Friday's march. That all starts tomorrow at noon. Until then, thank you for listening and stay safe. I'm Kojo Namdi. What's man to do? The Kojo Namdi Show is produced by Julie Deppenbrock, Sidney Granin, Kurt Gardner, Lauren Marco, Richard Cunningham, and Inez Renike. Our managing producer is Ingalisa Schroepstorf. Our engineer is Mike Kidd. For past shows and more content, visit kojoshow.org.